From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, August 2nd. Things are looking better on the surface of the Uranium Mill Tailings Remedial Action, or UMTRA, site just outside of Moab. Piles of waste from an old uranium mill are getting smaller. But under the surface, there is still uranium-contaminated groundwater. Now, there might be a solution for that. Justin Higginbottom speaks with a scientist about plans to test the new technology. The legacy of uranium milling and mining isn't only found in those easily seen tailing or waste piles. It turns out soil can absorb the uranium and slowly release the radioactive metal into rivers or aquifers. And so that's sort of the model of why many of these sites still have a persistent and long-term source of uranium bleeding into groundwater and potentially into inland waterways like local rivers. That's Dr. Kenneth Williams. He's a senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and he's been working with the Department of Energy on a solution to this problem of uranium-contaminated groundwater. It's called a hydroxyapatite permeable reactive barrier. And the apatite technology is basically creating an underground sponge that has a very, very high affinity for removing uranium. Basically, they inject a solution into the groundwater that works to concentrate the uranium. The uranium is still underground, but it's not floating freely in the aquifer. It doesn't take it out of the system, but it removes dissolved uranium from groundwater and locks it up in a mineralogic form, but in a form that's stable under the natural conditions of the aquifer. In theory, that solid uranium could be extracted, either to use or to satisfy regulations. He's tried the new method at a sister uranium mill tailing site near Rifle, Colorado, with great results. Now his team will apply the technology to the Moab Umtra site. Moab's quite interesting in that there's about tenfold more uranium in groundwater in the area where we're going to be performing the proof of principle experiment later this fall than at Rifle. So instead of 200 parts per billion, we're looking at 2,000 parts per billion. Currently in Moab, workers pump the contaminated groundwater before it meets the Colorado River. That might not be needed with a hydroxyapatite barrier. And if the method works in Moab, Williams says it could be scaled up. If you were going to deploy this at scale, you would need to create a network of appetite sponges that people often describe it as sort of a picket fence. So creating this underground picket fence of appetite sponge that now spans much of the width of the Moab or the rifle aquifer through which groundwater is going to move. Williams and his team will begin testing the technology this fall. If it's successful, it could have impacts not only near Moab, but around the world, wherever uranium is found in water. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. The Moab Arts and Recreation Center's 2022 Artist-in-Residence wrapped up their month-long stay with a reception at Lions Park last night. The residency is focused on reuse, meaning artists source material from the waste stream. That's because the Moab area is highly impacted by the tourism industry, and as a result, waste management. Through this residency, items once considered trash become, well, something entirely different. The result of this year's residency is a very interactive installation that encourages exploration. It's a big, multi-platformed piece capped with a tire ladder jutting into the sky. 
The folks laughing and whirling around are doing so on a moving platform. There's various cranks, a pedal-powered device. Some bits and bobs turn on lights, generating energy, and others don't. They're just there to be fun and interesting. I just like giving people an opportunity to embrace their curiosity. And because that's what I like doing. Justin Tyler Tate, the Moab Arts reuse resident who created this structure, we're speaking in a blustery wind under stormy skies, which definitely gives his installation and those exploring it a dramatic backdrop. The piece is intended to emphasize play as a source of power. And it's notable that those having fun on it right now are all adults. That's kind of why I do the work that I do, is because I always feel like I'm playing and just tinkering with things. And yeah, so I just want to give that back to people. Tyler Tate has exhibited work all over the world. He's reclaimed old logs to design a well in Norway, found materials to create a house for mycelium in Michigan, arranged burned driftwood for a gathering space in Taiwan. Here in Moab, you can spot old wood and tires on this play structure, but also discarded steel, rotary electrical motors, LED lights, and even a USB charging device. Reforming waste is his thing, but he doesn't quite think of it like that. I feel like it's an opportunity. It's always an opportunity, especially to get access to so much material. I never think about it as garbage, always just as material. And uh, I try to use it as such. My favorite part is looking at it and trying to remember like where we got the materials and what they looked like in the first place. Kelly McInerney is the executive director of the Moab Arts and Recreation Center and oversees the reuse artist residency. She says material was gathered from the Solid Waste Authority, thrift store, Wabi Sabi, and housing developers. It's just really fun to be like, oh yeah, we got that at Solid Waste, or that's from Wabi, and just like see how we found it and then what Justin turned it into. No one knows for sure how long the installation will remain at Lions Park. Likely a year, according to park staff, but it could be weather dependent. One thing is clear, Moab Arts and Park staff want to see this reuse residency grow. During his stay, Tyler Tate held a community workshop where locals made musical instruments out of found or discarded materials. City staff wants to keep the residency going, so Moab will have more opportunities to play at the intersection of art, community, and the waste system. A Hollywood legend with deep roots in our region died recently. Bob Rafelson had lived in Aspen, Colorado for nearly 60 years. While he mostly stayed out of the spotlight when at home, his legacy as a pioneer of the new Hollywood movement, directing and producing some of the first films that offered social commentary in America, has demanded significant attention nationwide. For Aspen Public Radio and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Hallie Zander brings us this report. Look, 10 movies over, I'm going to be 87. That's enough. In a conversation with Bob Broaddus at the Wheeler Opera House in 2019, Bob Rafelson, the longtime director and producer, reflected on his career in the film industry. It's a lot of hard, egotistical work. You, you become so obsessed. Uh, that nothing else in the world counts. Rafelson is best known as a boundary-breaking filmmaker who helped kickstart Jack Nicholson's acting career. 
The two worked together on the set of the film Easy Rider in 1969, which Rafelson produced and Jack Nicholson starred in with Peter Fonda. Boy, I sure wish I was going with you. Yeah? You got a helmet? Oh. Oh, I've got a helmet. <laughs> that was years after Rafelson began calling Aspen his home. He first visited the city in 1963 when he scammed his way into a conference at the Aspen Institute. And according to Andrew Travers, the former arts and culture editor at the Aspen Times, this is where Rafelson first met his close friend, Hunter S. Thompson. The story he told was that, you know, around, around that time, he found himself in a volleyball game with uh, Hunter Thompson, the you know the great uh, Gonzo journalist of, who who would go on to become the author of uh, *Funeral Building in Las Vegas* and you know the Free mm -hmm. Power campaign here and you know those were all relationships that lasted for the rest of their lives. In an article Travers wrote in 2019, he said Rafelson continued to rent places in Aspen while he worked in Los Angeles and traveled the world. While looking back on their conversation, Travers remembers Rafelson's love of Aspen and its wilderness. The Castle Creek Valley was one of the great loves of his life. You know, he had been there for decades, had showed up at, you know, county commissioner meetings and that kind of thing. Anytime, you know, there was any kind of a development there as recently as, I don't know, just a few years ago. After he finished production on Easy Rider, Rafelson continued to work with Nicholson on six other movies, including Five Easy Pieces, where he directed this iconic diner scene. No substitution. What do you mean? You don't have any tomatoes? Only what's on the menu. You can have a number two, a plain omelet that comes with cottage fries and rolls. Now, I know what it comes with, but it's not what I want. Well, I'll come back when you make up your mind. Wait a minute. I have made up my mind. During this time, Rafelson also co-created The Monkees, a sitcom based on a pop rock band that ran for two years in the late 60s. The, the show won two Emmy Awards and incorporated a variety of new wave film techniques. But while these projects earned Rafelson his place in film history, his lesser-known project, Mountains of the Moon, was closer to his heart. And when Aspen Film gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award back in 2019, Rafelson wanted to screen the film over his more popular titles. It exemplified his itch to travel and explore new cultures. I'll tell you, I, I, I would travel alone many times. Sometimes I go to the airport not knowing where I'm going, with a satchel on my back, look up and say, oh, hey, I've never been there, and just glide. Susan Rubel is the executive and artistic director of Aspen Film. She says Rafelson referred to Mountains of the Moon as his best film, but also his most personal. And Bob traveled to, you know, the far reaches of the planet. And this film was very indicative of that and just felt that this was truly the film that he wanted to make and he wanted people to recognize him for. Rubel adds that Rafelson's legacy in film will extend far beyond the projects he created. I think the style of filmmaking that he brought forth in the 70s, which was a lot more realistic, not so formulaic, and also just launching careers of some of the greatest actors of our time. For people around the world, Rafelson will be remembered for his groundbreaking work as a filmmaker. And for his neighbors and friends in Aspen, he will remain something of a hidden treasure. That's Hallie Zander reporting for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, August 2nd. 
Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.